Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Late Edition Crime Beat Chronicles, a Lee Enterprises podcast. I'm Amber Moten, the producer and editor of the show, filling in for Nat Cordona, who's taking some well-deserved time off. If you haven't listened to the first three episodes in our latest series about the Osage Reign of Terror, please go back and listen to those before starting this one. So far, we've talked about the history of the Osage tribe and how they ended up in what became the state of Oklahoma, their oil-rich land, and how those rights to that land led to the horrible series of suspicious deaths, kidnappings, and the general environment of fear that made up the reign of terror. We've talked about the BOI's investigation and eventual conviction of those who were found guilty of the crimes. In this episode, we talk about the place in history and in pop culture that the reign of terror holds. This episode was recorded prior to the release of the film The Killers of the Flower Moon. The Osage Reign of Terror may not have a prominent spot in the United States history curriculum, but it has established its place in popular culture with multiple books, plays, radio shows, films, and more created about the events that went on during the 1920s. Most recently, the film Killers of the Flower Moon, based on a book by David Gran, was released on October 20th, 2023. Martin Scorsese directed and Leonardo DiCaprio and Lily Gladstone star in the film. The Tulsa World's pop culture reporter Jimmy Trammell and I talked about the place the Reign of Terror holds in pop culture and a little more about the film. Why should people go see the movie, especially our true crime fans? I can't think of a reason that they should not go see the movie. It's it's one of the just pure from a true crime standpoint, it's one of the biggest crimes in our nation's history that really has not been uh, expounded on. I mean, that, it's crazy. This happened a hundred years ago, and as far as us knowing about it, as far as the story being fleshed out, it it never really came to light nationally at all until David Grant's fantastic book became a bestseller. And then, uh, and then Scorsese's movie is going to take it to the next level. And I should tell you that initially, the movie was going to be, uh, gee, here comes the FBI to solve these murders. And then uh, Scorsese, DiCaprio, uh, I think they had huddled and decided to pivot. And now this movie is not going to be strictly about FBI coming in. It's going to be, it's going to be wrapped around the marriage of DiCaprio's character and Lily Gladstone's character. It's going to focus on this very personal story. Uh, and oh, by the way, we're going to wrap it in to the Osage Reign of Terror, which I think is a fantastic way of going about it. A personal story is always going to resonate more than a story of another kind. Completely agree. Everyone is giving Martin Scorsese, the director, uh, props 100% because he didn't just come in and say, gee, I've adopted this book. We're going to make a movie. At every step along the way, he has incorporated and involved and consulted the Osage people where, uh, I mean, it's their story. 
they were impacted. They should have a say in this. Uh, and so, I mean, their, their, their language, their costumes, everything about their uh, uh, way of life is portrayed authentically in this film. It's not an outsider coming in and saying, to heck with that, we'll do it my way. You're going to see it portrayed legitimately. You did profile Julie O'Keefe, who was a wardrobe consultant on the film. Can you tell us a little bit about her, her background, and why she was important to the portrayal of the Osages in the movie? Yeah, uh, yeah Julie O'Keefe, uh, who has had some uh, costume shops, but her resume is far more extensive than having a costume shop. Uh, she was enlisted to be a costume designer, an Osage costume consultant on the film. And so they used pictures from back in the day and other reference to really make sure the people you see in the film dressed in the way they were, you know, in the 1920s, a hundred years ago. And that's another example of Martin Scorsese and his team just taking every measure possible to make sure the Osage, what you see on the screen is authentic. I mean, he, Martin Scorsese even said, well, I'm sorry, it was Chief Standing Bear with the Osage who said at the premiere in uh, France that some of the actors on the screen are speaking Osage as well as some of the Osage Nation members. I love that we've come so far from, you know, having Italian actors playing natives to respecting the history, the people and the living history that's going on. And yeah, Ch Chief Jay Strongbow, the Native American wrestler, was an Italian, which is what, what you're talking about exactly. I mean, I, I can turn on any Western on TV in the next room and see uh, Mr. Spock playing a Native American. I mean, I love Leonard Nimoy, but he's not a Native American. So we we love, yes, that uh, people of a certain ethnicity are playing those people in pop culture. Uh, no better example of this than Reservation Dogs, the television series that uh, wrapped up a three-year run and was shot in Oklahoma as well. I grew up in small town Oklahoma in primarily a Cherokee community. And the people I see, the people I saw in Reservation Dogs, I look at them and think, I grew up exactly with these people. Especially with everything else going on in the world, it's just great to see the respect to culture being given. Well, and typically how Native Americans have been portrayed in, in uh, movie and TV is uh, John Wayne is shooting at them, and that's it. I mean, I, I, I've had, uh, I have many Native friends, but I had one Native friend tell me, like, hey, when I was young, I would watch cowboy and Indian movies and root for the cowboys. How crazy is that? And he's Native because, you know, that's the story being told, and you, mm -hmm. and you buy in. But, I mean, it's so important now that we can see uh, the Native American not as a uh, stereotype, but just as, as a human being, as, as someone who you, you don't have to tell a native story, per se. You can tell a human being story. And oh, by the way, they happen to be native. I know you talked about it a little bit, but what kind of reactions have you heard or seen from Julie and the other Osages? They had an Osage Nation premiere in Tulsa for only the Osage and people who took part in the film. And kind of a takeaway was uh, very powerful. Uh, very emotional, uh, glad to see this story being brought to light, but also it's a lot to wrap your head around because I mean, you, if you were in the movie in that premiere in Tulsa, you're probably sitting with people whose grandmother, grandfather died as a result of these murders. So 
uh, it's it's a lot to process, a lot to wrap your head around. Did anybody express any discomfort about participating in the movie? I mean, you mentioned that some of the people who were there, they might have had grandparents who were, you know, their lives were taken because of all of this. Were there people who might have been reticent at first to participate? Well, because of history, you couldn't blame anyone for being a little uh, tread cautiously. But I, I think Martin Scorsese uh, got rid of all that uh, wariness early on because he met with the Osages uh, right away. Uh, before they started filming and made it clear that the uh, Osage people would be treated respectfully. I, I think this movie is going to create a lot of opportunities for the Osage. And as other films go out forward, we've seen, uh, you know, native representation in the great prey predator movie last year. Uh, many of the people who were extras or worked on killers of the flower moon now have an opportunity to go on, maybe work on some other things. Uh, Oklahoma has a pretty rich uh, film history. Uh, you know, you wouldn't think, but they do. Like The Outsiders was filmed here in 82 with the launch the careers of Matt Dillon, Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, Tom Cruise, C. Tommy Tao, Ralph Macchio, all those guys. And in fact, uh, the exact county where Killers of the Flower Moon was filmed was where August Osage County was filmed 10 years ago. Uh, but... Uh, by far, I mean, this figures to be the biggest uh, blockbuster film ever shot on Oklahoma soil. And I think everyone is just happy that instead of going to California and uh, on some sound soundstage, Martin Scorsese brought those actors to where everything occurred so it could be as true to life as possible. We have to take a quick break, so don't go too far. And of course, I caught up with Randy Craybill about the film, why people should see it, and how the Reign of Terror had something in common with another major criminal event that took place in the same area and at the same time period. As I understand it, Martin Scorsese shot the film in Osage County? I think the majority of it was shot there. A little bit of it was shot here in Tulsa. In fact, Caddy Corner from our office at the federal courthouse. And I think they shot some in Guthrie, which is a town over north of Oklahoma City and maybe a few other places. But most of it was shot there. And from everything we've heard uh, from the Osages, he they he really made an effort. He and Leonardo DiCaprio made an effort to be very authentic with it in terms of the the people, the language. Uh, my understanding is, is that uh, the actors, the main actors, all learned some Osage so they could do, deliver lines in Osage. So my understanding is, is that, you know, uh, it's about betrayal. The movie is the, the movie is about betrayal. And I think betrayal is oft is almost always a part of crime. You're betraying someone in some way. And, and it's about how, uh, you know, it focuses, I think a lot on this one, couple and in 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 the the uh, Burkhardt he's played by Leonardo DiCaprio his struggle with you know apparently he really did care for his wife but he was also he also was kind of under the influence of this uncle who only cared about money and had been taught you know to, to you know think only about money and also that you know, Indian people were not really 
they didn't really count. Right. Right. And and that and and uh, I think you know and that also often plays into crime, but I think there's a lot psychologically that people who are interested in crime would mm-hmm. would uh, find uh, insightful. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good way for us to start exploring the history that we aren't all taught. Sure, it might be Leo's face up there, but I know there are tons of times where I've gone to see movies that are based on true stories, and then I start Googling, and I start reading, and you know, you kind of fall down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you hope so, and um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, history is almost always more complicated than uh, you can fit in, and this is a, uh, is a very long movie, apparently. It's pre- mm-hmm. I'm told it's three and a half hours long, but... Scorsese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but even with that, you know, you have, there are things that are left out. Uh, but, uh, but hope it, hopefully it, it, it piques people's attention, uh, mm-hmm. interest. And as you mentioned, there is just an awful lot of history that gets, um, Swept under the rug, neglected forgotten. over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's well, you know, I've told this a lot of, I've said this a lot of times, but I think it's true is that, you know, history, the way the, the teaching of history serves two almost oppositional purposes. One mm-hmm. is, one is to try and create this sort of uh, legend about the place we live and who we are. And it's all, you know, we're all the good guys and right. they're all the bad guys and that sort of thing. And uh, and it's all positive. It's more about uh, image and, and building community and and patriotism and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And then there's sort of, and then there's the grittier history that requires some critical thinking and and shows you that you know what <laughs> the uh, the rules tend to favor the people who make the rules and. You mentioned that you had done a lot of writing about the Tulsa race massacre, which was what, 1921, I believe. Yep. Yep. Was there overlap? I mean, obviously timing. Yes, but. A little bit. And one of the stories I've got talks about that a little bit. So Anna Brown was found about, uh, I think it was 10 days before the Tulsa race massacre. Oh, so they, so it, you know, so that was very close in time, um, and there are some uh, people who show up in both stories. Uh, one of them uh, is a guy named John Gustafson, who was the police chief of Tulsa, and was removed uh, from office. Uh, he was basically impeached and removed from office after the massacre for dereliction of duty. Well, he was also a private detective. And at, so at the same time, he was the uh, chief of police and being removed from office in Tulsa. He'd been hired by Anna Brown's family to find out who killed her. And so he spent a lot of time traipsing around Osage County. And according to the FBI, uh, that what they concluded was that he was trying to play both sides he'd come up with information and then he'd try and shop mm-hmm. it and see who he could get the most money for so uh, from and so there there was that and then there's another guy uh, that is uh, semi important uh, a couple more one is a guy named John Goldsberry who at the time of the race massacre was the assistant county attorney in Tulsa 
And he was the guy who was in, uh, who was part of the prosecution of John Gustafson and was also kind of involved in telling the people who, and I don't know how much of the Tulsa story you know, but there were, there was this group of people that were trying to take over the Greenwood area mm-hmm. and they, and they failed. And he was kind of in the group that was telling them, you can't do that. Hmm. That's a bad idea. So then uh, eight years later in 1929, he was the U.S. attorney in Tulsa. And he was involved in the final prosecution of Bill Hale and mm. uh, and, and John Ramsey. And then uh, finally, I'd mention, uh, well, I guess there's two more. So also there was a, an attorney, again, named Prince Freeling. And uh, Prince Freeling was the attorney general at the time of the Tulsa race massacre. And he came in and blowing and going, and he ran the grand jury and all that stuff. By the time that uh, that uh, uh, Ramsey and Hale uh, were on trial, he was out of office, and he was part of their defense team. <laughs> and then, and so then, I know these guys are all lawyers. It's amazing how many lawyers there are involved in this. But anyway, <laughs> there's a lawyer named T.J. Leahy. He was from Pawhuska. And he was Gustafson's uh, attorney in the uh, in his impeachment trial. But then he was hired by the Osage people to look out for their interests in these prosecutions. And he was involved in the prosecution of every one of these people who went to trial, whether it was in state trial, the state court or federal court. He was there as part of the prosecution and and was the guy that. Burkhart went to uh, during a state trial in Pawhuska and said, "I'm tired of lying. I just want to tell the truth." And he turned on his turned on his uncle. So there are people that are I've never seen like a direct, you know, like yeah. the people who burned down right, Greenwood right. were stealing money from people. I I, I haven't seen mm-hmm. that, but there are there are some familiar names. In gotcha. There. I would say there is this connection, which is that. In both cases, you see where uh, the lives of uh, you know minorities of people of color and especially women mm-hmm. just didn't matter very much. You know, uh, in Tulsa, when they decided they were going to um, do something different with with the Greenwood area, they didn't ask. To Black people who lived there, they who just had a thriving tried to community. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and who owned the property, right. by yeah. the way, for the most yep. part. <laughs> right. So they formed this committee. Well, so in, you know, in, in, in the Osage, it was like, in fact, uh, there's a quote in one of the uh, uh, FBI reports from uh, there was a notorious outlaw uh, who uh, was approached about killing uh bill and rita smith and who's they're the folks who are blown up in the movie and he said he wouldn't do it that he had never he he had never stooped so low that he would kill a woman even if she was an indian (laughs) and so that that you know (laughs) that that says it right 
these these folks they just you know it it wasn't so much in, in my observation it wasn't so much that they hated them it was that they just didn't care right you know, they, they weren't they were worth anything way. yeah they weren't they weren't worth anything yeah that's exactly right and so that is the connection mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very i hate to say it's interesting because it's such horrific things happened but it's impossible to teach comprehensive history, you know, especially at junior high, high school, you know, elementary level. I just wish that it was a little more comprehensive, I guess I should say. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the hard things about teaching is school, whatever it is, is deciding what's important mm -hmm. and what, you know, what's what are the priorities as far as teaching. And so you do have to learn the fundamentals of history, but somewhere in there, you know, I think there's also room to learn about you know, not everything was done, you know, virtuously. And it, and you do have to question uh, motivations and things like, why do people do what the things they do? I think that's just a useful uh, life skill. You know, I think one of the things that's really hard when you're writing about things like this, whether it's Tulsa or, or, uh, or talking about it, or the Osage deal, is how you talk about a singular event that's particularly horrific and then put it in a larger context without appearing to or actually diminishing that one event. And so, you know, the only thing I'd say is that what happened in Osage County was a singular event and particularly distressing but things like that happened all over the and, and it's, Oklahoma had some of the during the during the oil booms of the early 20th century, some pretty pretty bad places. And they say something about you know human greed and and uh, just sort of the human condition that we should be aware of and like what we were talking about earlier where we had a i i hope we've passed it but you know i'm not always convinced we are that you know people who are different than us just don't matter or people who are in the in our way don't matter you know as a reporter always trying to look at what is singular about this event but also how does it fit into sort of the universe of things and how do you tell that story without how do you balance it you know and how do you how do you not diminish you know this one group or one individual's um, story and yet present it in the full context and that's where we're wrapping things up with the reign of terror for more details about the crimes life in the area in the 1920s the film killers of the flower moon and the osages please visit the tulsa world's website there are links in the show notes to all of the content the reporters and editors at the paper created don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss what's coming up next and you can go back and check out any of our past episodes that you may have missed Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.